When we're giving out the, the food and the water and the hygiene kits and the medical supplies that these folks need and the, the blankets and, and, and cots, the, when we give that out, what we're truly giving is hope. And we're happy to share that hope with anybody who's interested in hearing about the hope that we have. Welcome in, folks, to the Run the Race podcast. Appreciate you joining us, your host. Uh, for the last couple of years now, Jason Dennis here uh, as we discuss faith and fitness today, focusing more on the spiritual aspects of things on, on a very serious subject, talking about Ukraine as Russia started attacking them weeks and months ago, and the devastation continues there. Millions of people uh, fleeing as refugees, helpless um, as America tries to step in and do something about it. And I'm talking with uh, Ethan Forhats who actually had a quarter century in television news as a reporter and anchor covering breaking news like this um, out of Missouri and other states around the U.S. Uh, but now he works for the last year for a faith-based nonprofit that is on the ground in Ukraine right now with a few teams, and they're sending tons of supplies over there, Convoy of Hope, uh, who is a, a, a well-known international organization. So I'm going to uh, talk to him about that. But first, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, kind of us feeling helpless from a distance, watching it on TV, what's happening in Ukraine, feeling like, what can I do? What can we do to help them out? Uh, well, my pastor here in the Columbus, Georgia area recently, you know, uh, had a sermon about what was happening in Russia and Ukraine and the potential end times and what it says in the Bible about it. He says there are three things we can do when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine situation. He says we can wake up uh, and see what's happening there and, and, and not just put our head in the sand about it. Number two, pray fervently uh, for the people of Ukraine, for the folks that are helping them out. And also, uh, number three, evangelize faithfully. And so uh, sending missionaries and doing what we can there. There's a, a church uh, I read about in uh, South Florida, Palm Beach Gardens, and called Christ Fellowship. They actually sent 90,000 diapers directly to Poland uh, just in, in the last uh, week or so with the help of Partners on the Ground, Convoy of Hope. They did that in just a, a few short days. And so their congregation, you know, uh, trying to make a difference in this worst refugee crisis that the world really has ever seen. And, uh, you know, the faith-based groups are known for helping out in crisis situations. In fact, there's an opinion I read on uh, Fox News online that talked about how Congress should partner with local faith-based groups when it comes to aid because, uh, you know, they have, you know, $10 billion worth that they've, they're uh, using towards humanitarian aid there. And as Congress works to allocate those funds, that's maybe the, the best way they could be most effective because you know, Ukrainian churches are on the front lines meeting people's immediate needs. Christian organizations like Samaritan's Purse, Convoy of Hope, on the ground there as well, often you know are the first responders. And, and even in dangerous situations, they have tremendous influence because— these Christian organizations uh, have those relationships already, and uh, they can, you know, have tremendous influence when it comes to the uh, populations that are impacted, and they can produce those positive outcomes because not only are they talking about the tangible needs, they're talking about the spiritual needs as well. And I'm talking today with the uh, national spokesperson and vice president of public engagement at Convoy of Hope, Ethan Forhetz, my guest for this 102nd episode of the Run the Race podcast. He's a graduate of UNLV. 
uh, married to his wife Sarah in 2007 with three children. So we talk a little bit about you know his transition after a quarter century working in television news. His wife also with a long career on air and TV as well as a journalist, and how they both you know a year and a half ago decided that they were called by God to do something else and uh, uh, outside of that uh, you know TV news realm. And so we talk about that transition. Uh, talk about uh, you know putting our faith into action uh, in Ukraine and, and elsewhere, and what what we as Americans, what we as Christians can do, what Convoy of Hope is doing. And it's really a growing crisis there. In fact, the United Nations says there's 10 million Ukrainians either displaced in their country or forced to flee. It is uh, it's really you know heartbreaking to see what's happening there, and uh, we definitely need to see, and they especially need to see some kind of hope. All right, with us now via Zoom in uh, in Missouri is uh, Ethan Foreheads. Thank you so much, uh, Ethan, for joining us. Thanks, Jason, for having me. Appreciate the time. Absolutely, yeah. I know that you've uh, you know now worked with Convoy of Hope, who are doing some just amazing work on the ground in Ukraine amidst the war happening with Russia. And uh, I know that in my church, even here in the Columbus, Georgia area, we're raising money for you guys to, to help do some of that stuff with supplies and helping the, the millions of refugees. So we're going to talk about that and how, you know, you're helping, you know, put that faith into action, which is always important. You know, faith without works is dead. Right. So uh, we're talking about that and, and what what us as Americans, what, what Christians can do about it and what else Convoy of Hope does. But first, I wanted to start off with you. Um, you know, you're a, a fellow former TV news anchor like myself. And yeah. actually, I think your last station was a great TV station like mine. Uh, you right. were at, um, was it was it KY3? Is that the- KY3 in, in Springfield, Missouri. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Well, and you, um, you worked in TV news as, I assume, a reporter and an anchor for 20, 30 years? 25 years. 25, 25 quarter- years. Quarter- uh, my wife and I both had been in TV for about, uh, she was in it for about 18 years. I was in for 25 and, uh, we both decided to leave, uh, last year. Uh, we, well, we left the station in, I think the end of January of last year. So we've been at Convoy of Hope now for a little more than a year. Wow. Did you, and you and your wife meet via TV? Was that what, uh, you know, you found love, uh, you know, behind the scenes? We did. You know, the Lord worked it out because I was 35 at the time and I had I had made the, the journey through television. It's a it can be a very nomadic business, as you know, where you, you move from station to station, city to city until you get someplace that feels like home that you want to be, that the situation is right for you. And I found that in Springfield after having worked in Las Vegas and uh, Tallahassee, Florida and Grand Rapids, Michigan and St. Louis. Uh, I found home to be Springfield. And my wife uh, who was not my wife at the time, she moved to the station. It was her second job in television, and she moved there six months prior to me. So it was all, she was waiting for me whenever I got here. And uh, day one on the job, I, I met her. Uh, we started dating not long after that, and uh, that was about 15 years ago. Wow. And so you both knew like the the stresses uh, of television and kind of what what that uh, it's kind of a very unique, wild job. So yeah. you didn't have to like tell each other about what it was like. Right. No, she knows what a Vosad is. Uh, I know none of your audience probably <laughs> understands that. You get the jargon. Uh, video yeah, and soundbite. Right. Yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, she she understood it. I understood her situation because when we first started dating, she was working mornings and I was working. Uh, day side. Uh, so I would anchor the five o'clock and report up until then. Uh, and then I moved to night side. So we were kind of working opposite shifts there for a while. 
but you know, the Lord really went before us. And uh, once we had our first child, two years after getting married, uh, we, we were struggling with the schedule based on the crazy, hectic news schedule. So we went in, basically she was going to quit. And, uh, and they said, well, we don't want you to quit. Uh, why don't we figure out a schedule, a part-time schedule if you want. So we spent the weekend going, racking our brains, trying to figure out a schedule that would work. We literally couldn't come up with a schedule that worked. She went back in on Monday and said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to quit because we can't figure out a schedule. They said, well, how about this? And they, they presented her with a schedule that we used for the next 10 years. It was a perfect schedule. And in, as part of that, they promoted her to anchor. So she was now working as an anchor from just a reporter uh, on Saturday and Sunday mornings. So weekend mornings, uh, she could do, she was home by 9.30 or 10 by the time I was getting up from working the, the late shift. Uh, so, it, and she reported day side for two days a week. Uh, and w- so we had an overlap there where we were both gone for four hours uh, a day for two days a week. It was just a perfect schedule. Uh, and, and it was literally something that we couldn't come up with on our own. The Lord just did it for us. Yeah, and speaking of the, the Lord working and, and, and giving you a, a different calling, you know, after that 25 years in TV news, make this transition away from TV that you've you know, done pretty much your whole career mm-hmm. um, and now into nonprofit ministry with a great international organization, Convoy of Hope. Um, what, um, what, how did that decision come about? And I mean, I assume it was uh, exciting, but scary as well. Yeah, it was because, you know, you, you're comfortable with what you're familiar with. And we were certainly familiar with television news. Uh, we were fairly good at it, been doing it for a long time. So we were comfortable there. But we just felt like, and we kind of came to this decision separately and then came together. Uh, but we each started feeling like the Lord was, was moving us out of news for, for whatever reason. Uh, it felt like, uh, for her, it felt like her, her ministry was moving out of out of TV, uh, and she had a great ministry there at the TV station in house. Uh, it was never overt on camera, but in house, people would come to her and and speak with her about issues all the time. Uh, and she was just real a real blessing working in a secular world. And for me, uh, I think it, it started the the news started to, to drain me in a in a way that it hadn't before. And I felt like, and, and this was personal, I'm not saying this should be everybody's uh, issue living in news, but I, I felt like I wanted to do something that was part of the solution uh, when at times I felt like I was part of the problem. Uh, we were going through the, the very divisive time as a nation, we're still going through that, but it was uh, racial issues uh, and, and things like that. And I, I felt like I wasn't helping the overall situation by doing what I was doing. And that, that was a personal feeling uh, that I think the Lord gave me to, to, for the first time in my career, to think that maybe I'm not going to do this forever. Uh, so that, that, was a big, that was a big move for me uh, to get to that point. Uh, and then we, we talked and, and discussed it, and we decided it's time for both of us to go. And we'd worked together all of our married life, so we weren't sure what was going to happen after that. Are we always going to work together? Uh, most people don't. That's odd. Uh, we realized that, but it was all we knew. Uh, but we knew Convoy Foot was such a great organization. They had been talking with my wife for a couple, for years prior. There'd just been ongoing discussions about what she could maybe do at Convoy of Hope. Uh, and then, so she was talking with them a little bit, and then she said, 
to them that I might be interested in leaving as well. So then we all were engaged in discussion. We met for coffee several times and just talked about it. We, my wife and I prayed and, and fasted about it. And, uh, and we finally came to the decision that it was time to go. Uh, but was, what's interesting and what the Lord led us to do was that we had to go in first before we had any offer from Convoy of Hope. We had to go in and tell our, our bosses at the TV station that we were leaving. And we, there was a timetable put on that because they were working to promote my wife even more, give her a much more high profile job. And, and really, it seemed to us to begin to build the station, or the newsroom around us a little bit in a way that, that we felt like if, if we're not committed to being there long term, that we need to tell them. Uh, we need to be upfront about it. So that was a tough decision because it's a lot of times in TV, you go in and say, hey, we're, we're I think we're planning to leave or I'm planning to leave. And they'll say, OK, go pack your box. That's how TV works a lot of the time. So that could have happened. Uh, but they were very gracious uh, and, and very good to us. They allowed us to say goodbye on the air. But we had to get to that point where we said we, we had to basically sever ties. And then the offer from Convoy of Hope came and it was great. And we decided to, to move over here and be part of this organization, which we had covered so much on the news side. My wife had been on a, on a mission trip with them to Africa uh, as they were working to empower women years prior before we ever even considered this, just as a journalist to cover the story. And we knew the people who worked here, a lot of them, we knew their hearts were, were genuine uh, and we knew what good this organization did around the world. So it, it felt like a great jump and a great move for us. Yeah. And I definitely, you know, kind of feel your pain. I understand about the, you know, the media gets a bad rap and, and when you're kind of entrenched in it, you know, you get to tell, you know, you have to tell the bad news, but you get to yeah. tell good news and, and inspiring stories as well. But it's, it's tough because it's, it's, it's a grind uh, that continues on and on. Um, but for me, you know, uh, um, uh, this podcast is an opportunity, you know, through the station to be able to do ministry, talk about things I'm passionate about, fitness and faith and those kind of things, and be able to talk to folks like you. So, uh, um, and, you know, speaking of kind of the news part of it, you, you know, a, a year after you joined Convoy of Hope, you know, this international news happens uh, with, you know, Russia and Ukraine, unfortunately. And, and uh, so I know that's what Convoy of Hope does, steps in when, when the times are really tough. And so from somebody, you know, having that news background for 25 years, did you see this? I mean, I, not, not, not as an opportunity, we wouldn't use that word, but like as a way that like, hey, we can um, kind of be a voice in the midst of this darkness? Absolutely. This, this is really the part of the job uh, that feels normal to me. It feels like breaking news and it feels like it's go time. Now we go and we're going to work long hours during this stretch until this breaking news is over. And that's what we've been doing. Uh, my wife and I have both been doing several TV and radio interviews, podcast interviews like this. We appreciate you having me on um, just as an opportunity because that, that's why they brought us on uh, to be able to use our expertise in media in getting our message out on the website, through social media, and then in dealing with TV and, and radio and, and news in general, just getting the Convoy of Hope message out, what we're doing specifically currently right now that's timely, and then uh, in a broader picture, what we do year-round to help people around the world. We help uh, women, we empower women to start careers, and in, 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 this is in cultures where they're looked upon as second-class citizens, 
we, we come alongside them, give them seed money to start businesses, training, and then we get to see them thrive and be able to support their family. We help uh, teach agriculture to farmers around the world, teach them how to farm their land so it's sustainable so that when we leave, they've still got product so much product, they're able to feed their family now and go sell it to a nearby village. It's really incredible to see that transformation take place. And we feed every school day around the world more than 465,000 kids. So there's a lot that Convoy of Hope does. Uh, responding to disasters or humanitarian crises like the one that's going on now in Ukraine is a big part of what we do. Last year, we responded to 64 disasters in this country and internationally. So 52 weeks in a year, that's more than one disaster a week that we're responding to. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's probably what Convoy of Hope is most known for, certainly in this country. Uh, we're still working long-term following Hurricane Ida. We're still wa working long-term in Tennessee and Kentucky following the tornadoes that hit there in December. Uh, so there's a lot that Convoy does, and, and our job now is to uh, make that tangible, to, to tell that story in a way that people can connect to. And there's, you know, obviously a lot of dangers in Ukraine or even just outside in Eastern Europe. So does Convoy of Hope have people on the ground there? Are they are they safe? Um, because I know that with two or three million refugees trying to leave that yeah. country, um, you know, you want to get them you know, fed and sheltered and, and supplied up. So uh, what, what, what actually is happening on the ground from the Convoy of Hope perspective? Well, one of the great things about Convoy of Hope is that we've had relationship in Ukraine and in the surrounding countries there in the European Union since 2014. So we've got the relationships, we've got the partnerships, we've got the infrastructure already built so that when this war happened and everybody saw it happening in advance, so we were able to plan and talk with our partners on the ground even before it started about how we were going to get product, where is it going to come from? Uh, so that really has worked to our advantage during this crisis and being able to quickly get supply to the people who need it. Uh, on top of that, since the war started, we, we have sent a team, two teams over there actually, uh, to be able to work to get that supply uh, to the refugees who need it. We've been uh, calling home, uh, uh, Poland home base for the most part. We have a warehouse there now where we're storing supply. We're working uh, working on, on sea and in the air to get that supply over. We've got some great uh, partners, humanitarian partners that, that work to fly over. Airlink is one of them to fly the supply over to our warehouse. And from there, we're able to get it into Ukraine uh, and then also to the, the, the border crossings in Poland where, yeah, you're right, so many of those refugees are coming across. More than 3 million at this point total leaving Ukraine. Uh, about 2 million of those are, are going to Poland. So it's it's overwhelming, uh, the infrastructure there. Uh, but the hospitality, really, of the people of Poland has been something that our team has said has been extraordinary. Because there's not a traditional refugee camp set up right. there like there has been in, in other, most other times there's been a refugee crisis like this. Uh, it's the hospitality of, of people in Poland, churches mainly, and that's a large part of what Convoy does is work with churches. We partner with churches. So uh, we're helping churches as they provide shelter to these people. Uh, and then we can also supply meals, more than 4,000 uh, meals a day we're providing. Uh, just at one spot, we provided 9,000 at one border crossing over the weekend. So there's a lot going on. There's a massive, massive need. Uh, and we're, we're, we're happy to be part of the solution uh, to fixing it. We're not all of it because we couldn't do it alone. There are lots of great organizations that are working, uh, but Convoy of Hope is, is doing a large part of the work. 
And, you know, we talk, uh, you know, uh, across the, the country, people talk about faith, especially here where I am in the Bible Belt in, in Georgia. Um, but, you know, talking's one thing, but then actions always speak louder than words. And, you know, this is, you know, what you guys are doing and on the ground and meeting those tangible needs is, is faith and action. So how important is that to kind of to, to be more than just talk when it comes to faith and, and showing that Christian love? Everything we do at Convoy of Hope is to be the hands of feet and feet of Jesus, uh, to help the poor and the suffering as the Bible instructs us to do. That's the reason why we do everything. Uh, so honestly, when we're giving out the, the food and the water and the hygiene kits and the medical supplies that these folks need and the, the blankets and, and, and cots, when we give that out, what we're truly giving is hope. And we're happy to share that hope with anybody who's interested in hearing about the hope that we have. Uh, but that's not a that's not a prerequisite in any way for helping people. We help all people regardless of religion. Uh, we just want to show them the love of Jesus. That's the point of what we're doing: is to be tangible uh, as we're able to show them uh, the the heart of God for them is love for them. Uh, so that is the reason behind everything that we do. Uh, we get to pray with people if that's what they'd like. Uh, and and we, we really see great results from that because especially in crisis situations that we show up at, people need hope. They need an arm around them at times. Uh, they need uh, a, a bottle of water uh, that is more than a bottle of water. Following, just a quick story, following Hurricane Harvey down in Texas, uh, there was a woman there. She was a, a had been a, uh, in law enforcement. She had lost her job just a few weeks before Hurricane Harvey went through. Uh, the, it ripped off part of her roof, knocked down all of the big oak trees in her yard. And she was, she was really in a desperate situation. She felt hopeless. And she tells us, and we know this because she posts about Convoy of Hope every time there's a disaster and urges people to, to donate because of what we did for her. So we got in touch with her to find out what we did for her. Uh, and as she was sitting on her front porch, uh, Jason, with a gun in her lap, uh, sorry, planning to take her own life. Uh, Convoy of Hope truck pulled up and our folks get out and go up to her on the front porch, gave her some water, gave her a cheese sandwich, and then said, what can we do to help you? And she told him her story. Uh, the next day they showed up, cut down, got rid of all the trees uh, on her property, cut them all up for her. And, uh, and help fix her, fix her roof. And really what we did was give her hope that tomorrow is going to be a better day than today. Uh, and it gave her hope. We, she says now when she posted on social media, she says that a cheese sandwich saved her life. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> who, who knew, right? It only cost you guys probably a dollar or two, you know, who knew, who knew somebody donated that, the money to buy that cheese sandwich or to put together that cheese sandwich. And I, I would, what I take from that is that you may think something is a small act, uh, something as small as a cheese sandwich, but in a, in a crisis situation, when people are on their worst day or maybe the second worst day of their life, it can be everything. It could be what they need to keep going today to get to tomorrow. And, and we're seeing that in Ukraine because the situation there is horrific. These, these mostly women and children, because the men are staying behind the fight, they're coming across with one suitcase, all of their belongings in one suitcase, as much as they can jam in there. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what's going to happen to their house. They don't know what's going to happen to the male family members that they left behind. Uh, it's a desperate, desperate situation. Many of them feel hopeless. So what we're giving them truly is hope. 
that tomorrow is going to be a better day. And, you know, 99, more than 99% of Americans are not going to go to Ukraine or are not going to go on a mission trip in a place like that. So, you know, people are watching the news. They're tuning in and seeing on a daily basis things getting worse by the hour, by the day, unfortunately. And we hope and pray that that things turn um, for the better. But in the meantime, you know, what what can Americans do? And especially what can churches and, and Christians do to, you know, to if they can't go, what else can we do? Uh, I would say a few things. Number one, pray. Uh, uh, I would pray for the people of Ukraine. Uh, the, the men staying behind, the, just that the Lord would comfort them. Uh, we know that he's close to the brokenhearted. Uh, so that's what they need. They need him clo- to be close to them uh, and that he would be glorified through this, that he could use this for, for his glory and to bring people to him. Then I would also pray for our teams uh, and, and teams like ours that are over there working. It's a very dangerous situation. Uh, there are some reporters who have been killed, as, as you know, uh, it's, it's tragic. Uh, so it is very dangerous. <clears throat> we would need, uh, safety and we would need wisdom and favor just in getting the supply to where it's needed. We need more corporations to come through and to donate supply to us and to get it over there for us, uh, so that we can get it to the people quickly who need it. So I would pray for those things. Uh, I would donate. Uh, you can go to convoyofhope.org slash Ukraine. From there, you can follow along with what we're doing on a daily basis, but also make a donation and just know that, Charity Navigator has rated us a four out of four star charity for the last 18 straight years. So uh, we are good stewards of of what we get. More than 91 cents of every dollar last year went to exactly where the donor wanted it to go. Yeah, because a lot of people kind of are concerned about that when they donate and you hear about scams, you hear about, hey, uh, you can spend money and buy this ribbon. It's going to go help Ukraine. But like, is it really, you know? You want to go with uh, an organization that's established and that you trust. And you can look it up on Charity Navigator and you can make your own decision uh, based on the ratings. They're a, a charity watchdog in the United States uh, and they, they shoot it straight. So we're very proud of the rating we get from them. Uh, and and uh, we were also to take your dollar. What, what, let's say you could take a dollar and go buy something at Walmart. Or let's say you go buy a case of water at Walmart. We could buy five times that. Or, or get donated five times that and get it to where it's needed uh, for the amount of money that you spend on one item. So we can really stretch your dollar and get it a lot further. And especially in a situation like this where supply chain is a problem, uh, we're buying a lot of product in country. So we're buying a lot of product in Poland and in the EU and then shipping it over short distance to where we need it for the folks uh, in, in Ukraine and outside of Ukraine. Or the third thing that I would say to do is if a lot, some people aren't able to, to make a donation, and, and hey, we understand that, uh, but you can advocate for Convoy of Hope. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, where a lot of your audience is. Uh, if you follow us there, Convoy of Hope, uh, you can find out what we're doing on a daily basis, and then you can share stories. That doesn't cost anybody a thing. It doesn't even take much time to just share it with the people who follow you, just to get the word out about what Convoy of Hope is doing. Uh, And maybe they have connections with a corporation. Maybe they have uh, a lot of money that they're able, that they're looking for someplace that's a a good safe haven for their money that they know will make a difference in people's lives. So there are a number of things that you can do. Uh, Not all of it requires money. Uh, Prayer certainly doesn't. And sharing on social media and following Convoy of Hope doesn't. But 
Uh, we just ask that you'd lock arms with us and support our cause as we do our best to support the Ukrainian folks and the refugees coming out of there. Yeah, no, and more than a year removed from your long you know, TV news career, you're still telling stories. You're still a storyteller. Uh, and sometimes it's heartbreaking, tragic you know, stories. Sometimes it is, you know, hope and, you know, just uh, these happy endings. And so we hope that we're going to get there in Ukraine, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we hope to be able to tell the stories of the people that we've helped. Uh, we've already yeah. heard some of them. I mean, certainly our team on the front lines has heard uh, how, how we've helped them and how we were just what they needed right then. Uh, and those, those keep that team going uh, because they're seeing now as more people come across because it, the violence is increasing uh, against civilians in Ukraine. So what they're seeing now is what they call the, the thousand yard stare. Uh, the people who come across and uh, really have seen a lot back in their homeland. They've seen destruction. They've maybe seen people killed. Uh, they've seen more than they wanted to see and what they thought they would see as they stayed. So as they're coming across, uh, they, they had that thousand yard stare. Uh, and it's, it's, more, uh, it's, it's more of a desperate situation, I think, for people who are leaving now. Uh, and for the people who left before, the realization is setting in that I might not be able to go home. Or if I do, my home may be destroyed when I get there. Wow, and that's and that's difficult to see, and you feel helpless sometimes. But I, you know, it's an opportunity for you guys to step in and and do all you can. I mean, you know, tangibly or and like you said with prayer as well. Um, also, I kind of wanted to turn a little bit um, because um, I understand, and and um, correct me if I'm wrong. That I think I saw you post on social media again. If you can follow yourself or, or Convoy of Hope, uh, Ethan Foreheads, um, that you and your wife are having an upcoming trip overseas as well to a place that's definitely not, um, you know, that has danger as well to Israel, right? I think they just opened their, their borders, their doors. Um, I went there myself, you know, a decade ago and, and, uh, did all the, the, the touring of where Jesus walked. So, um, you guys have that trip coming up, I believe this spring or summer. Yeah. Coming up, uh, we're going to leave May 31st from Houston, uh, and we're going to fly over and, and, and come back, I think, uh, June 9th or 10th. Uh, yeah, we're going, we're going through, uh, we're using Maranatha tours, but my wife and I are, are leading it. My wife is a, is a speaker. She speaks at churches uh, all across the country, really. She's really a dynamic, gifted speaker. Uh, and uh, she's going... We, maybe we should, we should have had her on the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she would blow me away, man. She would blow me away. No question. She's great. Uh, anytime you want her, she can, she can speak to faith issues. Uh, really, the Lord has just blessed her in a, in a great way. You can probably find her uh, some of her messages on YouTube, if you search Sarah Forhats, S-A-R-A. Uh, but yeah, we're going over. We, we've been over there a, a few years ago for the first time. And it, it's, it's just, and you know this, Jason, it's such a life-changing experience. It changes the way you read the Bible, the way that you understand the Bible stories. You can think back to what that looks like, and it's nothing like you thought it looked like uh, when you're talking about some of the Bible stories. Uh, it really brings the Bible to life. So I would say for any believer uh, that I would make that a priority, not just a bucket list item. I would make it a priority because I think the earlier you can go in your life, the more uh, instructive it is for your life, the more you can get out of it. I think a lot of people, and, and I was honestly, frankly, going to do this myself. My thought was, you know, when we retire, then we'll go over to Israel. But my wife said, we need to go now. We need to go. So our church was going. And uh, it, we, we went with them and it was really just a great, great experience to be to be in the same place that Jesus walked 
uh, is really powerful, more powerful than you can get just reading. Not, not, and I'm not saying the Bible isn't powerful because it obviously is, but w- w- what you can get out of it uh, following a trip to the Holy Land is really incredible. So if you go to Maranatha Tours, thanks for the plug, Jason. If you go to, you, there's still openings, and uh, Israel did just open up to all tourists, regardless yeah. of vaccine status, uh, which is fantastic because that was a little that was up in the air for for some of our travelers, uh, but now it is open. If you go to MaranathaTours.com and just search our last name, Four Hats. It's a weird name, F O R H E T Z. You can find our trip. You can come along. We'd love to have you. Be fun. Yeah. And, and speaking of that with COVID, um, you know, because that has interrupted a lot of mission trips and a lot of maybe people's fun trips uh, overseas, that kind of thing. So how has that been? You know, obviously you came on board a year ago to, to Convoy of Hope. How has that been for you guys? Because, you know, you're out there kind of hand to hand combat in ministry. Um, so is uh, that been, you know, has that created a lot of obstacles that you maybe didn't have before? It, it's interesting. When COVID hit, obviously everything shut down. We shut down travel. Uh, and a lot of what we did was travel. We, we had people going a lot of different places because we, we work in 29 countries around the, around the clock. Uh, so we have people that need to go check in with our, our folks. So we learned a couple of things during that. Number one was that maybe we didn't need as many trips as we thought we did because we were able to do it uh, through Zoom. Uh, now, uh, there, are, there are times when in-person does is so much better well, most of the time, but you can do, you can, you can accomplish goals through zoom. Uh, and we didn't think that prior to it. So we were able to figure out, we can save some money here and be even better stewards. So now we really look at trips, uh, and whether they're useful and going to be uh, a necessity before we schedule them. Uh, but just recently we opened up travel again. Uh, and, and, and that's also travel for donors who would like to see what we do. Uh, or potential donors who want to go on a, on a trip to see what the che- uh, children's feeding program looks like in Haiti, for instance, or, or wherever. Um, and that really is a great way to, to get people to latch on to the mission. Uh, because when you see it in person, just like Israel, it changes everything about what you thought about it, because you've seen it in person. You've, it's tangible. Uh, so that's really uh, been a big help now that we're opening it up again. We think getting people back over there and going on trips with us will really make a big difference in their lives. But at the same time, uh, we're looking at some of the, the internal trips, sending our people over uh, a little more uh, stringently uh, and trying to figure out, is that necessary? Can we accomplish it during, uh, during a Zoom meeting? And if we can, then we save the money and don't go. Yeah. Well, and I certainly, you know, and our audience as well, appreciate the fact that you and your wife now are using your talents and not that you didn't before, but using your talents, your voices, your camera presence to be able to kind of present the gospel and to, to share God's love. And I'm sure you were able to do that, you know, maybe more so off camera before, but now uh, that's an opportunity to do that just, you know, without um, without maybe a boss talking to you about something perhaps right <laughs> yeah it is it, it's different uh, TV now my wife has been speaking uh, around our area uh, for the la- on, on weekends uh, at well even during the week uh, at churches for for years now so she, she's got quite a following uh, and I think that will only grow uh, but yeah you, you feel a little more free uh, because you you know when you work you don't want to do anything that goes against what your bosses want you to do uh, you know, you, we're, you're an employee, so you want to follow the rules and, and honor them. 
so we did that, uh, but yet we also had free speech. So we were able to, to talk to people about things that are, were important to us. And I'll, I'll tell you, Jason, I, I bet you get this as well. Uh, so we didn't talk about our faith on television uh, because I, I reported news, right? We, we anchored news. But it's amazing to me how many people would come up, and we were at a dominant station uh, in our market like you are in yours, uh, how many people would come up and they would know our faith without, without us saying it. They would right. be able to tell through the, the camera lens, uh, supernaturally, uh, that we were believers and that, and that we were in sync with what, with what they thought and believed. And it, it's really incredible to us because we never set out to do that. We just lived our lives. Uh, but the way that it came across on camera was, was really fascinating to us and cool. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Ethan, for your time. And we'll definitely uh, tell more and more folks about Convoy of Hope and, and continue to pray for the folks in Ukraine and, and give to that cause as well. So thank you so much. You bet. And anytime your newsroom needs B-roll, uh, we got cameras over there, still pictures. We can get all that to you. Just let me know, Jason. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, you know, speaking of what's happening to, to help the folks out in Ukraine as they're escaping uh, the, the war-torn country and as Russia continues to uh, ramp up their attacks, uh, again, we, we continue to pray for them. Uh, but also, you know, raising money for them is important and giving them supplies they need, that those tangible needs, uh, that, that, you know, kind of meeting what, what they need. Uh, and and King, of, King and Country, a famous Christian band, uh, they are doing a live worldwide special from the Mojave Desert. It is a uh, performance, streaming performance, of their new album. Uh, that's happening this Thursday. This, this podcast should be coming out on early Tuesday morning. Um, so, And they are partnering with Convoy of Hope to bring some of that relief to Ukrainians through this concert. So you can watch that on Thursday. You can go to Ethan Forehead's um, Facebook page, um, and uh, or you can go to Convoy of Hope on any of your, so their social media handles. I'm sure they've got a link to that for that King and Country concert this Thursday. And uh, Ethan and Sarah Forehead's, they uh, back when they're in their TV news days, uh, doing what I do now, they had an Emmy-nominated a series of reports together from Africa on a local charity that was getting clean water to them. And, you know, I, I, um, I had a chance uh, myself, the unbelievable opportunity a couple years ago, um, about three years ago, in fact, before COVID hit, to go to Africa with some folks here with involved with Take the City, a, a local ministry. And uh, we went out and did street ministry, helping folks out there and just uh, really kind of uh, reaching out and, and kind of plugging in the churches and helping them to do outreaches like we do here, um, you know, evangelism uh, in the streets. And uh, really amazing to see the spirit of prayer, the spirit of music and worship that they have there in Africa. We can learn a lot from them. And so, uh, you know, one of my segments usually in the podcast is uh, Stuck in My Head. Uh, sometimes I'll sing a song. Uh, so instead of that, I'm going to let you get a little taste of what it was like when we were outside at a kind of a outside kind of tent meeting uh, where we uh, saw lots of people and lots of kids dancing around to this live music you're about to hear.
really cool, you know, gets you in the mood to kind of just really um, uplifts you. And, uh, you know, that's what the people in Ukraine and people really all around America need right now. And uh, now turning to our final segment of the podcast, parting gifts some inspiration when it comes specifically to hope. This is a quote from the recently passed Desmond Tutu. He's a, uh, a fam- he was a famous South African theologian who died, in fact, in late December, uh, just about uh, three months ago. Uh, his quote is, Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. And sometimes we can only, you know, a lot of times I can only find hope in God. And uh, when we look for people, you know, people unfortunately let us down. And so, uh, you know, there, there's darkness all around our world today. And you see it, in, you know, in, in Ukraine. You see it with what's happening with Russia, what they're doing. And so uh, we, we need to have light in the darkness. And closing this uh, podcast now on prayer, dear God, uh, just... Thank you for uh, what Convoy of Hope is doing. We pray for them, the people on the ground, the people bringing supplies. Uh, bring, give them safety. Give them wisdom and how to spend that money and, and how to get those supplies to the right people in the right places. Uh, we pray for the Ukrainian people that are hurting, uh, have lost loved ones, uh, have lost their homes, uh, have lost hope perhaps. And uh, we pray for them that you will give them a supernatural peace and joy that, that uh, surpasses all understanding in the midst of the chaos there. I pray for our churches that we can get involved, not just with what's happening in Ukraine, but in the crises that happen all, all, all around us, uh, the people that are hurting um, in our churches, in our workplaces, uh, in our homes, our family members. Uh, pray, Lord God, that, that we will know that there will be open doors that you will help us walk into and be bold uh, with faith, to, uh, to talk about you and bring hope to people uh, where they have no hope. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again to Ethan Foreheads. Uh, again, we our prayers are definitely with his organization, and uh, he's doing great work. You know, transitioning from uh, television news uh, now to uh, working uh, for the Lord, uh, truly full time, uh, able to do that out front on TV, on radio, on podcasts, like he talked about. You know, I, I've always uh, felt a calling to do something minister ministering wise, and and so uh, I feel like you know this is a great opportunity for me to do that through this podcast, but. I feel like, you know, God's given me this platform to work in TV news, to to be able to give glory to Him, and to, to shine a light where there's darkness, and to, to bring positivity uh, where there's sometimes a lot of negativity. We're going to talk a lot about, um, you know, fitness and running and things in the next few weeks as well. Uh, I've got another marathon coming up probably next month, so you'll hear about that, and uh, some good tips and advice to getting healthier, uh, not only physically, but spiritually as well. So until next time, God bless.